What's up, y'all? This is John and Mike back for another episode of the Nothing Finer podcast. And tonight we are going over all of the action from a great weekend of college football that was sadly week 10 already. It is November. I, you know, sometimes I regret knowing how calendars work. We should have 13... 13 months each day be 28 days, but that's a that's another podcast that we could do that damn nobody would you, listen to. Damn you, Julius Caesar. Yeah. <laughs> damn he you. He got everything he deserved. All 28 of them, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Ironically, that's how many days should be in a month. Anyways, um, before we get into everything that happened this weekend, how was your weekend and what are you drinking? Um, weekend was, was good as far as, you know, football wise and all that. Um, appreciate Wes, you know, filling in, uh, for me earlier in the week when I was feeling bad. We still had the stomach bug getting passed around. My mother-in-law had it yesterday on her birthday. So that was, that was, that wasn't fun. So that kind of put a a damper on, on some stuff over here, but, um, drank a lot yesterday. So I am just drinking diet Coke right now. Um, I will say I do have a big old infected wound on my, uh, on my knee. It's, very pussy. Your knees too much. Oh, I, I will not. Ex- I will not get into how I got it, but I have them on both knees. Oh, had them for a week. One's infected. It is very pussy. But I'm not going to show you guys. Uh, we appreciate that. I I also <laughs> slammed a uh, probably 200 p- pound piece of cast iron on my thumb on Friday hmm. before we left town. So I got a. Nice little cut right across the knuckle of my thumb, so I feel you there. Yeah. Ugh. No, man, it was uh we ended up not tailgating this weekend. We got a late start on Saturday. Um mm-hmm. so never got never got to the tailgate. But it was a great atmosphere for the game. Um you know, it's always it's always nice to leave a game, not really be able to talk and have a headache from yelling too much. Um, you know, it's kind of why I spend so much money on, on the season tickets. Mm -hmm. I will say, um, the drive to Athens is for the fucking birds. This shit's awful. It's miserable. Today was the, the that was the biggest time this season that I have just been absolutely miserable. And it wasn't, there was no traffic. It just Mm -hmm. sucked. It's four hours of nothing, especially coming from where we're at, where we're at in uh, in Savannah. It's not fun. That's the main reason why I, I haven't been to a game this year. This is like I just haven't felt like doing the drive. As much as I love going to Athens and hanging out and stuff, I don't want to do the drive. It it's pretty it's pretty awful. Like I said, today was the first time on our way back that I was like, the game is worth it. It is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I hate this. <laughs> hey, Georgia DOT, why is there not a major highway between your two most touristy cities in the state? And honestly, just as I'm sure this is something that we can push in like the state house and, you know, the and, and all that in the state government, but it would make it easier for Uga to get from Savannah to Athens if it was just a straight shot. Mm, good point. Good point. Because he doesn't. If we fly, phrase it like that, we'll make it drives. happen. He drives every week. Yep, every week. It's you know we need to do this for August sake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> fuck all the people that do the drive. Just think about the dog. 
I will say it's hilarious. Friday when we leave after work, you can tell who is driving to Athens for the game mm-hmm. because it is all it is is cars leaving Athens or Savannah with Georgia stickers. A couple cars yeah. have flags. Yeah. I don't know how they do that because car flags are noisy as hell. Mm-hmm. Um, but everybody's going the speed limit or, you know, a reasonable amount over the speed limit because everybody knows where the cops hide. Yep. Everybody takes the same exits and you see the exact same cars on the way home on Sunday. Like, we yeah. we definitely, we noticed that when we were going up for the spring game or G, you know, G day back in April. It, it's, it's funny how it works out that way. Yeah, it was, um, I will say there were a lot of cars from Atlanta area making their way to Savannah on the drive back today. Hmm. And uh, you could tell before they got in front of you to read the county because of how they were driving. That, that count, seeing where uh, where they come from definitely makes a difference in how how I yell at them or how I feel about them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hmm. Um, I do judge a book by its cover. There were like four or five cars um, from DeKalb County that looked like they were from DeKalb County before you saw the tag. Mm-hmm. And... Um, if I had the same road rage I did a couple of years ago, I would have made their life hell for about an hour. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and nobody could help them because you're in the middle of fucking nowhere. Yeah, like, oh, if you decide to be an asshole and drive on the shoulder of the road, flip your car. First thing that's going to come to you is honestly the boar in the woods. Like, yeah, you're just going to get your car is going to get rooted by a bunch of boars. Because mm-hmm. what's going to happen is all the people from you know, BFE where we're driving, we're going to pull over and see a car with a cab County tag upside down and be like, Oh, fuck that guy and keep going. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right. So the game itself, obviously Missouri came to Athens this weekend. Georgia's favored by 15 points at the close of it dropped from uh, 16 throughout the week. And Georgia didn't win this game 30 to 21 to improve to the 36th straight regular season win, 25th straight SEC regular season win, and 26th straight win overall. That streak is currently tied with the 1937 to 1939 Tennessee Volunteers. Um, Great teams. uh, Definitely. Yeah, they, um, (laughs) honestly, they might have been more accurate with the forward pass than Joe Milton is. So that's fair. Positive. Mm-hmm. I mean, it goes back to there where they won most of their national championships. Anyway, they've only won one since uh, schools are integrated or the SEC was integrated. So they don't want to talk about that, but I'll no, leave it there. Not. Of course. Not. They're definitely not winning one this year. So just tack another yeah. year onto it. Yep. <laughs> um, I will say, so all you guys know by now, I go to most of the home games and while I was sitting in the stadium, the game felt close, but it never felt in danger. Mm-hmm. The game, like, it. granted, they took a lead. It was tied at the half. But I will say most of the people inside of the stadium, no one was nervous. People were frustrated, especially mm-hmm. with the la- the play calling in the last four minutes of the first half. That was... I, yeah, I don't, I don't remember. I didn't see that you noted in there. I was going to say it if you didn't. Like, what the hell was that? Like, yeah, last four and a half minutes, five minutes of the quarter... No words on either side. And it was one of those things of where, like, 
Georgia got the ball back four and a half minutes, and everybody in our area was like, oh, yeah, dude, four and a half minutes, three timeouts, plenty of time. Mm-hmm. And then three plays later, they punted the ball. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, crap. Missouri. Well, and then they – well, then they force, uh, then they force uh, Mizzou to punt too. Like you know, call a timeout when when they uh, get on fourth down. Get it. Okay, now you know two minute offense. Yeah. Was it two straight a gap runs or, or just runs that did nothing, and then you punt it again. It's like I, but why? Yeah, it it seems like the coaches just like had some telepathy going of like, hey man, you just want to take it to the half? There's four minutes yeah. left. What do you mean? Yeah, let's just mm-hmm. take it to the half. Yeah, we, it'll help Missouri's cause in the long run that they were able to tie the uh, defending reigning back-to-back national champs. Again, they, I mean, they put Missouri's played this team better than anyone has the last, you know, two years, especially. Yeah, and so the game this year was pretty much the opposite of last season's game because this mm-hmm. game never felt like it was particularly close in the second half. But mm-hmm. the box score was very close. But yeah, last season's yeah. game... The box score was nowhere close, and Georgia had to squeak out of there with a win. So mm-hmm. it's kind of weird how over the last two years it has been Missouri in just opposite games that somehow a lot of the fan base feels the same about. Yeah, someone had asked me you know, how I felt about this game. Like, was I ever nervous about it? And like you said, in most people in the stadium, I, I was not nervous whatsoever. At any point, even after, you know, you give up that, what, 37, 39-yard touchdown to Luther Burden in the first quarter. That's kind of been this team's M.O. the last, what, I mean, really all season. You give up a yep. you know quick touchdown on the first drive, and then you settle in. Yeah. Make adjustments, I, all that deal. The um, the almost touchdown to Luther Burden in the second quarter, mm-hmm. the one where he was uh, tweaked his ankle, I will say – for the two seconds I thought he caught that ball, that was the only time I was nervous. Yeah. Um, and there were some people that were very obviously intoxicated behind me that were like, oh, quit faking injuries. And I was like, whoa, guys, that's their absolute best player on the entire team. He's mm-hmm. not faking an injury. There's no way Luther Burden is faking an injury when it's about to be third down. It's like, let's... And, and, right. Context and, and like, yeah, right. I, some people struggle with that. Yeah. A but, lot, too many. Like I said, they, they were they were definitely, definitely drunk. And then those same mm-hmm. people, when Georgia was driving towards the end of the game and a Missouri player um, had the uh, injury sniper, they were like, oh, he's actually hurt. I was like, whoa, no. No, this is a yeah. rotational piece on defense while Georgia's driving, and Missouri mm-hmm. doesn't want to use timeouts. It's like, that's not an injury. Was that as egregious as the, the Auburn one a few weeks ago? No, because okay. because the injury sniper was very quick, and it was like immediately after the play, he stood mm-hmm. up and then went back down. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It, <laughs> it wasn't like look over at the sideline. It's like, I, oh, me. It's my turn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It but... was not that situation. Um, yeah, and you know it's part of the game today. Like you can't be upset yeah. about it. Uh, yeah, you can't be yeah. upset as long as it doesn't happen all the time. During right. the Auburn game, where it was every time Georgia got a first down, they had a quote unquote injury. That's too much. Right. Mm-hmm. And honestly, it's more frustrating at that point because all the TV timeouts than yeah 
than them abusing a rule that everyone does. And I don't, this isn't on there, but this game felt like it went by very, very quickly. I know, like it the first did. quarter, the first, like it, it didn't seem like there was that many stoppages or anything like that. And, and I mean, you know, I hate the, I hate the new rule anyway, but I mean, it still lasted what three and a half hours or so. So I mean, it wasn't like it was like short, but I don't know it, it just flowed very quickly for no, such I, a big so, game. So, so I met up with Caleb at halftime, and he was like, "Man, I haven't seen the lights yet. I hope the field's dark." By it wasn't. the time the fourth yeah. quarter comes around. And I was like, oh, dude, the sun's about to go behind that building. It's going to shade the stadium. We'll be fine. Mm-hmm. And then five minutes later, it was the fourth quarter. And I was like, what just happened? Right. I was, it, yeah, I thought for sure that we would see it. For it, sure, for sure. And my favorite part, I haven't seen him yet in person either. That's that's definitely the thing that I need to make happen. Um, not not going to happen this week. <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> Ticket prices this week are ridiculous. I, if you're if you're wanting to go to the game and you're in Athens on Saturday, you're probably able to get tickets for reasonable. Um, but you're not going to get them before Saturday morning for a reasonable price because no. I was looking for a friend of mine the other day and they were three hundred and fifty apiece to sit in the six hundreds level. Yeah, shoot, they I mean, what Ole Miss may end up being with top seven or top eight in the college football playoff poll. So, you know, top 10 matchup for sure. Uh, oh, wow. It's going to it's gonna be a pretty penny. And if we're being honest, after Ohio State was losing to an unranked Rutgers team um, at halftime, they shouldn't be number one. No. They, they no. will be, but they shouldn't be. Yeah, I think they'll still – I think that the top six is going to stay the same. I know we're – we were going to get that until later, but top six will stay the same. Um, I do think next week, you know, God willing, Georgia beats Ole Miss. I don't care the score. Georgia will then uh, supplant them for number one at that point. But right now, I can't. I don't see a world where anything changes in the top six, at least. I agree. Um, so back to this game in particular. This was Carson Beck's worst passing yard performance of his starting career at 254. But. With 254 passing yards, he does extend his record of consecutive passing yard games of over 250 yards to start some, or, yeah, it's to start your career as a starter. Um, brings yeah, it nine. To nine. Yeah, nine in a row. Which I don't think anyone expected that when, after the spring game. Like, we all knew he was going to be good. But after mm-hmm. the first game, it was like, oh, he's not good. Wait, almost 300 yards? No, there's no way he's that good. And then it just, nine games later, we're still like, is he that good? I think he's that good. I think he's that good. He did have a couple yeah. of um, batted passes in this game. That seems to be an issue this year. Um, mm-hmm. I think I think a big part of that, honestly, is right tackle. The current, yeah, the current yeah. right tackle, I you know, Zay, I said it on Saturday back and forth with you. Xavier Truss is the best sixth man for the offensive line in the SEC, mm-hmm. but he is not one of the best starting five for the University of Georgia. I think that'll be abundantly clear going forward. I mean, hopefully everybody continues to get healthy and all that, so we don't have to necessarily have him out there starting sure spell you know spell people every now and then but yeah 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 it's not and it's not we're not working out 
the rotation at left guard kind of bugs me because you see a very clear difference between Dylan Fairchild and Micah Morris. Mm-hmm. I, you know, Dylan Fairchild is the answer. The left yeah. side of the offensive line is nasty when he's in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't think it's a question anymore. I think it's a very clear answer. And the only question is, when does Mims come back? Because he has been healthy and practicing for two weeks. And I think it's more of a confidence in uh, the uh, recovered injury than it is ability right now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, as long as he's good for the uh, SEC championship, I think that's what ultimately matters. I mean, obviously, you still want to get there undefeated, and I think you still probably will, but... I want Mims gotta, back by the Tennessee game because Tennessee gets mm-hmm. after the quarterback. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's another thing too. We you had this in here, and, and I'm glad you brought it up. Like Missouri, Missouri's been able to get after the quarterback. I mean, they've had their their issues on defense, but uh, when I was listening to it in the car, like at the very beginning of the game, like they had like 24, 25 sacks coming into the into this game. They had another three more um, on Carson. Um, a lot of it, I think, all three of them were in the first half. But uh, they and can they put pressure on the quarterback. Misses by the right tackle. Yeah, mm-hmm. it. He just got eat, eaten up um, each of those times. So, yeah. So going to the officiating, I know we've kind of touched on it a couple times. This was one of the worst officiated games I've seen in recent memory. Like yeah. this is up there with the Peach Bowl for just total officiating incompetence is probably the best way to put it because unless the definition of pass interference and face mask um, have changed in the last, you know, since the season started, Oscar Delt was face masked three times, not Mm -hmm. called. They called offensive pass interference on Dejan Edwards when the ball was thrown and hit three yards behind the line of scrimmage. And I said that as the play happened. Yeah. And the I was, rest of I, I, to look at it. I, yeah, I was, I was sitting there just dumbfounded. I'm like, that since when? And the yeah. pass interference on Julian Humphrey. How? Yeah. How? Yeah, and they're that... like, when when Gene Steratore is like, yeah, I like I could see how you could argue it, but there's no reason to make that call. Because mm-hmm. at the last second, Julian Humphrey does get his arm around or his head around, and the ball hits his arm, yeah. and Luther Burden is pushing off of him, mm-hmm. but it's pass interference on him. And then the one call that I was talking about where, where one of the times Oscar Delp was face masked, he was going for a catch, and the guy reaches around his helmet and grabs his face mask. So it could have mm-hmm. been pass interference or face mask, mm-hmm. and no flag. And to be completely fair... There were calls that were missed that would have gone in Missouri's favor. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. Drink was Drink was big mad after the game about about that. He had made a, a, a comment about wanting the SEC to make some clarifications or to talk about the officiating. And I'm like, I stand with him on that. Yes. This game was god awful. Yes, but it's one of those yeah. things where if you want to start opening, um, if you want to start opening pandora's box it's not going to be friendly to you either drink Mm -hmm. like fans (laughs) definitely want it but if you want a full official breakdown of that game i 
they they were probably benefited. I mean, obviously we're biased, but they're definitely benefited more than uh, than Georgia was. But again, the the this calls on both. Ridiculous pass interference on Julian Humphrey was a third and long. Where if yeah. they hadn't gotten that call, it would have been fourth down. They ended up getting a touchdown on that drive. Mm-hmm. So, drink. We agree, but maybe you shouldn't agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just let the fan bases talk about it more so because. It's not not a good look for the coach to be doing that, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so very very all, Ryan Day s is drink the Ryan Day of the SEC. I would say no, because no, he, no, he's worked hard for that talent and worked hard for the wins he has. Drink was not born on third base. No. Get that perfect, perfectly clear. I drink was born on the bench and fought his way into the lineup. Yeah, <laughs> bunt infield bunt I, single. Or that, may, that may sound like an insult, but it was meant as a compliment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, what Missouri fans gonna get upset about that? They ain't none. Where I, are they at though? There was probably you know maybe two hundred Missouri fans in the stadium. On Saturday, um, that were they, outside. They, so Georgia gives them 500 seats. They probably mm-hmm. had 400 of those filled, mm-hmm. and then probably another one to 200 elsewhere in the stadium. Um, there was one uh, directly behind me, two rows back. So that's not. Um, I will say I gave him a huge break because he was the only Missouri fan in our section. So yeah. he was being as obnoxious as possible to try and piss people off, which is exactly what I would do. Um, but Fair. he was also very yeah. clearly drunk because flag came out like flag. <laughs> I, he got everything off Athens had to offer. Well, I'm glad he enjoyed himself. He helped the, uh, helped the economy there. So shadow yes. bagger. Yes. Um, he did end up leaving. After the first interception. Mm. But he was with a group of Georgia fans that all left at the same time. It was like five or six people total. So no shade, no, no shade to the Mizzou fan in our section. Yeah. Okay. Um, I was disappointed in the lack of run game. And I know they still had 130 yards ish. Um, yeah. But back to the offensive line, Ernest Green. After Kirby told him to be mean, is laying dudes out. Dylan Fairchild, yeah. 7A heavyweight wrestling champion in the state of Georgia, manhandling people. Cedric Van mm-hmm. Cran, the best center in the SEC. Tate Ratledge was, I would say, 95% of the game yesterday. He did a phenomenal job. Yeah. 95% yes, is a lot to ask of any offensive line going against the SEC defensive line, so you can't hate on that. Mm-hmm. We miss Mims. Yes, yes. I Shout out Xavier Trust for sticking it out, being that guy, getting moved position all the time. He was replaced last year by Devin Willick down the stretch at left guard. Georgia fans need to appreciate that Xavier Trust is still wearing Georgia uniform while simultaneously agreeing that Amarius Mims is the better right tackle. Absolutely. No argument there. Um, 
You ready to talk about a little defensive, defensive stuff? Hell yeah, that probably the best side of the ball, even even though you know get, still giving up twenty points or whatever. But I wasn't mad at it. Yeah, and um, I you know what I've got it in here a little bit later, but I I will toot my own horn because toot. how I said that Missouri moves the ball, explosive plays followed up by run plays. Is exactly what happened. They get a 15 mm-hmm. yard pass and then an eight yard run. That's their offensive MO. Shout out to Kirby Moore for that because they do have a phenomenal offense this year. Yeah. And then how to stop their offense. You pressure Brady Cook, you hit him a couple of times, and he makes mistakes. Yep. He had three interceptions on the season coming into the day, two against LSU where it was immediately after he got sacked that he threw interceptions. Same Mm -hmm. thing happened. One against Kentucky for Maxwell Harrison, who at this point, I think you would probably make more money than you would lose if you just bet on him to have an interception a game. Yeah. And then two against Georgia because they put pressure on him and he immediately threw interceptions. It's... I think the way to beat this team was very obvious. It was just how could you do it? Because they do have a good offensive line. So getting pressure to a mobile quarterback is not always easy. Mm-hmm. But they did it pretty well. Um, I mean, again, after the first drive, especially. Because, again, first drive is usually they've been their bugaboo in the last uh, few weeks, especially. But they did get pressure on them, though, like you, yeah. like you called for. Yeah, and I, I I think that's something they have to do moving forward, especially with the mobile quarterbacks coming up over the next two weeks with Jackson Dart and uh, and Joe Milton because... And Milrow. Maybe. Alabama could still fuck it up. They could. They could. Well, so how many games? What, they got two SEC games left? Yep, they would have to lose both. They'd have to lose two Kentucky and two Auburn. Oh yeah, they didn't clinch it yet because they needed Ole Miss. Once Ole Miss loses, then they're they're done. If Ole Miss would have lost, they should probably should have lost against A and M. But well, no, they should have covered by more than three points. Yeah, it could have easily could have easily won either way. That uh, hopefully we get to talk to Grayson this week. That 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 yeah yeah, yeah. no, I've already sweet. texted him. Oh sweet. Yeah, we're working on that. Um. So the defense was rough at times. We've already kind of talked about that a little bit. The corner spot that's not Kamari Lassiter gets picked on almost every passing play because mm-hmm. you're not with Javon Buller, Tyke Smith, Kamari Lassiter. You're not. That's as close to lockdown as you can get in modern football. Yeah, we talked about that three-headed monster at a lot after the Florida game. But Daylon Everett has um, – it's almost like he's his head swimming a little bit. Like he's in mm-hmm. the right spot, but he doesn't turn his head around to make the play. Mm-hmm. Um, think what, of, what year is he? Is he a sophomore? sophomore? Yes, yeah, sophomore. Okay. okay. Um, freshman Eric Stokes or freshman Keely Ringo? is where is kind of the the feeling I get with Dalen Everett because he's always in the right spot. You're not mm-hmm. going to outrun him. He He's able to follow you in your route, but mm-hmm. he doesn't necessarily get his head around 
But to compare someone to two um, day one draft picks when they're a sophomore, good company to be in, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, but so I don't know what they showed about the Kamari Lassiter injury on TV. I didn't even see the replay of it. Um, I only got through the first half of the replay today, mm-hmm. but he went down. It looks like a hit after he laid a big hit. That was yeah, a massive yeah. hit. And he mm-hmm. tried to get up and his hip was bothering him. So he went down, trainers checked him out. Once he got up, he went into the middle of the defensive huddle, cut off the coach and was yelling at them boys, smacking his helmet, hyping them up and was out there on the next drive. My man. That that's my Peter. dude. Mm-hmm. Oh, dang. You know, um, somebody in the carpool line told me that that's uh that's their nephew. Really? Legitimately. So yeah, I need to I need to figure out who that is. Yeah, no, I Kamari Lasseter is the uh is the next right, he currently is one of the guys in the long line of Georgia great defensive backs. Um for sure, for sure. He he was the guy late down the stretch last year didn't get picked on. Mm-hmm. This year, like he doesn't have all that many stats because nobody throws his direction. Yeah, he is that dude. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, they picked on Keeley more than they picked on him last year. Yes, they did. Yeah. Yes, they did. Kamari Lasseter, you didn't hear his name called in the SEC championship or Peach Bowl, and definitely not national championship. No, no. Because they didn't, like, half the field was cut off. Mm-hmm. They were like, okay, you're, wait, hold up. You're saying we got Christopher Smith and Kamari Lasser covering their outside of the field? Going that way. Yeah, just find number five. <laughs> yeah. Find <laughs> number five. You got a true freshman and Keely Ringo. We're throwing that direction. Yeah. <laughs> um, Another injury to a... Phenomenal player. Uh, losing pop to a fractured forearm. Kirby said that it is not one of the injuries that you can put a cast on and play with. Damn, I was going to ask about that, yeah. Yes, I read that just a little while ago. So, no telling how long he's going to be out. It is a fracture and not a break, so that's good. But it's one of mm-hmm. those things, man. As soon as he went down another time, laid a big hit, he went down immediately jumped up holding his arm and signaling for somebody to take his spot. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh shit. Pop's yeah, if he's, like, yeah. If he's, yeah. If he's asking for it. Yeah. yeah. Like he was holding his arm and immediately went to the injury tent and he was with a sling for the rest of the game until they were able to get him in for x-rays. I did see that they tried to get him off of the field for mid game x-rays and he refused to leave. Um, just that hmm. kind of leader. I mean, that's yeah. just, that's what you see a lot at Georgia because of the character. You know, mutual suffering builds character. I yeah. It's not hazing. It's mutual suffering. <laughs> um, but the guy that really took his spot, you know, for the rest of the game, C.J. Allen, first real time getting significant playing time in this game because he did play a lot in the rotation, and then once Pop went down, he was pretty much in there the rest of the game. Um. This was really his first substantial snaps in an SEC game. So, you know, I've already talked about how much I like C.J. Allen. He's, um, when I sent him a message about my nephew being a big fan of his, he responded. 
had a cool conversation about that. I am in no way, shape, or form throwing shade on C.J. Allen. This is an observation in his first crunch time snaps. I want to make that abundantly clear. He was he had some deer in headlight moments, um, and then he was also caught flat-footed in the hole of where he could have made a play, a you know no yard, negative yard, one yard gain situation. Mm-hmm. It's probably two or three. Um, but he's obviously going to get more playing time moving forward, and the speed of the game comes with playing the game more. So I think I by no means think that he is going to continue that. It's just an observation. Mm-hmm. From uh, from watching the game and especially yeah. watching the replay. Mm. Yeah, he I, he. I, I, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think back a little bit because at this point I was like I was pretty uh pretty far gone at that point when uh when Pop got hurt, but I I felt like he laid the wood on somebody. Oh no, he definitely I mean, did. I mean, he made yeah. he made a couple. He made a at least a half of a tackle for loss. I don't mm-hmm. remember right off the top of my head. Um, but he made some big plays, but there were, there were times like one specific play where he had the opportunity to meet, uh, Cody Schrader in the, in the hole and Mm -hmm. just split second stood there too long. And that was what Cody needed for a three or four yard game. Cody Cody a top three or four running back in the SEC. Yeah, I was just gonna say, like, did he did Cody Schrader have was he did he have the best game against Georgia's uh rush defense of anybody so far this season? Actually, he was um I wanna say uh off pull it up. Because I wanna say that it was not actually that good of a performance yards wise because So uh, he had so he had twenty two carries, hundred hundred and twelve yards, five at five yards. Then uh, yes, per carry. that's that's the best single game performance of anybody this mm-hmm. season yeah cause, yeah because it's not necessarily i you know eye opening or eye popping or anything like that but he was i mean he was pretty effective like for what they had him do um got out there in a lot of like you know stretch stretch runs and things like that i mean he he has a pretty good runs in there he runs tough too he made i mean he kind of runs the way i wish kendall milton would more often just like tough running through people breaking tackles like he doesn't go down in the first hit scrappy deceptively athletic all the all, uh, all the white white football yeah. player things i will say kendall milton if if you don't hit kendall milton below the knee you're not getting him down yeah mm-hmm. but if you touch him you touch a shoelace yeah he's down mm-hmm. like that one run where everybody tried to hit him up high and he broke like four or five tackles and bounced off of guys that's what we expect to see from Kendall Milton all the time. But mm-hmm. once again, this Missouri defense, their thing is not that they are stronger. The thing is not that they are disciplined. They are fast everywhere. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. their their defensive linemen are like 275 and fast. Mm-hmm. So we are not taking anything away from Missouri's defense because they are a – phenomenal yeah defense like mm-hmm. missouri is by far the second best team in the sec east and you can make an argument for second or third or third or fourth in the entire sec i would say third in the sec for sure the problem is lsu beat them 
So that's, at home too. Yes, yeah. That's the argument for them not. But if you're not going to have Jaden Daniels uh, for, you know, going forward. It's fair. As much, much as we love to bust in us. It's not We're that guy. Get to that. Yeah. <laughs> um, we do want to shout out uh, two interceptions. Obviously, our guy, Big Nas, mm-hmm. had what should have been a pick six. Um, pick six. He did, he did talk after the game, and he was like, man, it, after you're running that far, it is hard to get your knees up when you got all this <laughs> meat above the waist that you're trying to move around. <laughs> So love, love that honesty. Um, mm-hmm. And it was going to be a 60 yard or a 50 yard interception return, regardless of the uh, touchdown or not. Um, but apparently if Smile Mondin blocks somebody in the chest when they're not looking, it's considered a block in the back. Um, yeah, anatomy is not my thing, but chest, your back is not your chest. Uh, ask the SEC officials. It definitely is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, An- another sorry. one of those calls. Drink probably doesn't want looked at. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, but yeah, no. I mean, watching the replay, Smile Mondin literally right side of his chest and shoulder hit the Mizzou player in the left side of his chest and shoulder, and it was a block in the back. I just okay. Um, and then one of our favorite players on the entire team, the best star corner slash safety in all of college football, Javon Bullard had that game ceiling interception. And, Mm -hmm. um, I wish I read lips better because I'm pretty sure he was saying some wild things about Missouri after that interception because Missouri players were talking a little trash. They were, Mm -hmm. um, so, you ready to uh, to get into players of the game? Cool. Uh, I do want to say one thing. Oh, no, never mind. You, you're, you have it in there. No, yeah, I'm ready. Okay. All right. Um, go ahead. All right, so offensive player of the game. Got to go with Ladd yet again. Seven catches, 95 yards. Again, stepped up in the, uh, the absence of Brock Bowers. I thought about for a minute going with uh, Dejan Edwards, but like we kind of talked about, he, he, he had over 100 all-purpose yards, but... It wasn't, you know, super effective all the time. He got you know, a lot of runs for loss and things like that. So, but Ladd came through a uh, clutch, almost had another 100-yard game. So, he's my offensive player of the game. And you can't forget about that offensive pass interference on Dejan where the ball was thrown behind the line of scrimmage. Yep, a clear one. He yeah. lost it right there for me. Yeah, that was it. Inexcusable. Inexcusable. You can't do that. Um, <laughs> so, defensive player of the game – I've got Tyke Smith because he spent a vast majority on the, of the day covering Luther Burden, who is a top three or four receiver in the SEC. And Tyke Smith was on him like white on rice. He held Luther Burden to his second lowest yardage mark of the season, the lowest yardage mark where he didn't miss significant playing time. Three catches mm-hmm. for 53 yards. He was Tyke was third on the team, seven tackles, five solo, one sack, and one and a half tackles for loss. He showed Missouri why he was a freshman All-American. And also, that sack, he was shot Dude. on a fucking cannon. I am surprised Brady Cook was able to get up from that. Holy shit. I'm surprised shit. there wasn't a flag. Just, like, yeah. throw it and figure out what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Hitting too hard. 
Like it's my son's uh, football league. I uh, we should have had we should have had Lincoln out there to call the refs bitches. That's what we needed. <laughs> that would have that would have made it better for sure. I mean, but that sack was incredible. I mean, Brady didn't even see him coming. He had he had, in, insane. So Tyke, like you talk you talk about him being a freshman All American. I I mean, I would be shocked if he's not just a, a straight up All American this year. He'll definitely be on one of the teams. He's got to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and the I think the only reason Brady Cook was able to hold on to the ball with that sack is because he had spent all day not knowing the ball was coming from the center, um, mm-hmm. and still catching it anyways. Funny, how many pre-snap penalties did they end up having? They had at least like five, right, on offense. Most so they had eight total penalties, and five of them were pre-snap. Beautiful, love to see it. It's not loud in uh, Sanford. No. And so that we completely skipped over the broadcast being absolutely terrible. Um, Oh oh my God. But I will say they did talk about how loud it was when Georgia was on defense. I just don't know if they were intelligent enough to realize that you're supposed to be quiet when your team's on offense. I think, I think I had texted you immediately when I heard that I'm like, dude, uh, um, who, who was it? Uh, uh, Aaron Taylor. I thought it was Jason Taylor at first, but he Aaron Taylor is also like a college football Hall of Famer or whatever. I don't know. I don't remember where he played or anything. I assume Miami or some shit like that. But yeah, he had made the comment about, "Oh, this crowd's really quiet when George is on offense." Like, yeah, no shit. Yeah. <laughs> I, okay, I just, that's where I'm at with like I got four or five texts from people that know I watched the game afterwards mm-hmm. but after like i'm there and then i come back home and watch them i got four mm-hmm. or five texts that are like you may want to watch this on mute and i'm like no i won't we didn't even we didn't even get the b team we got like the c or d team i got what the hell was even that well the the b team was covering the noon game where ohio state tried to lose Rutgers. hey is, Rutgers is not nearly as bad as you know as just how many sec teams will beat Rutgers? Probably like nine at least. Yeah, I would say nine, yeah, eight, nine. There's my point. Yeah. They're scrappy, though. They're not Arizona scrappy, but they're scrappy enough. I mean, Michigan kicked the shit out of them, but they don't play anybody. I mean, Michigan hasn't really played anybody. No, they haven't. They're, Michigan is almost back onto their early days of playing hardware stores level this season. So um, after between uh, the Penn State and Ohio State game, they do have the Detroit YMCA. The, the what? The Detroit YMCA. That's that's one of the teams that they used to beat up on quite a bit. Um, well, I got bad news for Michigan as far as that goes. If you beat the Detroit YMCA, you may leave with some bullet holes. Oh, they know. They're well you aware. Thought the, you thought the Michigan State fight was bad. Wait until you beat the <laughs> Detroit YMCA. <laughs> oh, shoot. Um, All right. All right so, uh, Boom's newcomer of the game, Javon Walker, recorded a stat in four separate categories with uh, taking less than, than starter snaps, four tackles, three solo, one and a half sacks, and... I guess one and a half tackles for loss as well. Uh, for a guy that didn't play a ton of snaps last season, he is... He's made his presence known out there, number 11 out there. Yeah, no, I, I'm i extremely impressed with what he's been able to do. Um, he did do a lot down the stretch last season when Georgia was getting after the passer late mm-hmm. in the year. Um, 
but no, I mean, Javon Walker is, he's definitely that guy. And I hope he continues to get more and more reps. Um, did you, know, did you guys talk? Did you guys talk about it on Wednesday? Um, that one of Missouri's players' names is Johnny Walker. Yes, we did. Okay, I couldn't remember if you did or not. We did. What a name. Um, and I said because he is a phenomenal fast defensive lineman. If you but if you run the ball right at him, he is prone to make mistakes, and he's also been ejected for targeting twice this season. <laughs> so he's living up to his name. Okay, yes. Yes. very good. Um, for hungriest dog, we got Big Nas and Nazir Stackhouse. He worked his ass off on that kick, on that pick that he returned. Should have been down to the five with the offense, probably scoring another touchdown there. Um, but yeah, we all wanted the thick six. We did very badly. If if he would have ended up scoring that, and then they called it back, it would have, may have been a riot. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, you know, I still do want to try and get him on the show, especially because he is a, uh, a member of millions as well. But mm. if he had gotten the thick six, I would have um, like while sitting in the stadium, I would have found a way to send him a message to be like, Hey, let's talk <laughs> from one millions pod to another. Yes. Um, all right. So we're going to do. The Calling the Dog segment, I didn't intro it on Wednesday because I completely forgot, but I did put them in the audio version. So if you didn't hear Calling the Dogs for the Wednesday episode, go back and listen to the audio for it there. But we're going to do today's Calling the Dogs now. Hey, y'all, this is the infamous Dr. Frog here. What in the actual fuck was that goddamn game? They looked absolutely terrible. Not just Georgia. The refs, holy hell. Like, that was the dumbest fucking officiating I think I've ever goddamn seen. It was absolutely ridiculous. And it wasn't all on their side. It wasn't all on our side. These refs are incompetent morons that should be lucky to ever coach, or sorry, ever ref a fucking Little League game. Good God. Holy hell, I was not drunk enough for this game, and it sure as fuck shows. But, hey, at least we got another one. I guess we'll go into next week, and hopefully uh, Joey Freshwater will be too distracted being downtown to do much, so we'll see. Hi, y'all. I don't know what y'all saw on the TV copy, watching at home, getting to sit back in your air-conditioned house. What I saw was a phenomenal football game out there. And, again, this is this is a, someone who doesn't get to go to these a whole lot. I don't get to go to the big games almost ever. I think this is the biggest game I've ever been to. For Georgia, sitting in San Francisco. You know, except maybe the game against Austin Hay in 2018. I don't know. But this probably beats that by a little bit. And getting to be part of the crowd that was affecting the game. And getting to sit there and watch this phenomenal four quarters unfold in front of me. I do not care that Georgia did not cover the spread. I do not care what the individual stats were. Georgia was a better team than Missouri. They wore them down over time. It took some time. Missouri had a good game plan. Nothing but props to them. This was an excellent, excellent football game. And I know there's some of you out there who are going to just find stuff to complain about with this game. Oh, we got to worry about Ole Miss. Look, we won the football game. We won the football game by more than one score. Our defense stepped up when they had to do it, and it was an excellent game. 
So don't lose sight of that in the midst of all this. You got to watch a terrific football game. I hate for it to be marred by sitting there complaining about it. You complain about it later. Right now, enjoy it. We got a win over a top 15 team. We got another one coming. Let's go. So, Mike, I'm not sure if you go back and listen to the episodes, um, but the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde moment, that was the two voicemails we got. Mm-hmm. You got to go listen to those. Oh, definitely. Because um, we had uh, Dr. Frog pissed off and Caleb. <laughs> I think Caleb may have been walking out of the stadium when he called us because he was euphoric for being at the game. So it was... Uh, <laughs> I, it, it's pretty awesome. And now, you know, you mm-hmm. guys have a second perspective on why I'm not normally pissed off after games. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely, I mean, I always go back and check it out, but I'm definitely making note of it tomorrow morning. All right. Now we're going to go to the uh, LSU at Alabama game. Um, Alabama was three point favorites coming into this. And first note. How the actual fuck was that hit on Jaden Daniels not targeting? And I know all the social media refs say it's not, but mm-hmm. Dallas Turner lowered his head to make contact with the crown of his helmet and the mm-hmm. face mask of another player. Yeah, that was more of a targeting than the uh, bullet hit on Marvin Harrison, for sure. And it first off, it wasn't called, but yeah, all over social media all day long, it's been that wasn't targeting. Well, hmm. explain to me how lowering your head, using the crown of your helmet to hit the helmet of another player, it does not fit the literal definition of targeting. That That's my interpretation of it. I, I mean, SEC refs obviously don't know definitions, but no. that... <laughs> no. And some, somebody even was like, that's not even roughing the passer, let alone targeting. Like, Dude, that... he... <laughs> When are we going to see Jaden Daniels back again? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, so Dallas Turner is a menace as an outside linebacker mm-hmm. in both ways that can be taken, right? He is a phenomenal outside linebacker. He shined over. Um, was it Anderson? Yes, Will Anderson. I kept yeah. saying Will Howard, and I knew that was a quarterback, not an outside linebacker. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's a menace to a quarterback's health. He's the same guy that tried to decapitate Jackson Dart last season mm-hmm. by turning his helmet 180 degrees around his head with a face mask. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this season, he caused brain damage to Jaden Daniels. And I don't mean that in a negative can, way to Jaden Daniels. Literally, if he has a concussion, he has a brain injury. Yeah. Because, you know, it was obviously a bad hit. But when mm-hmm. the quarterback goes into the injury tent, and sits there for the rest of the game, it's because the lights hurt his eyes. Yeah. Like, his pupils were bigger than the whites of his eyes because his brain had just been beaten. Mm-hmm. That- the slots are on there. Crazy. Somebody said, said I, I can't remember where I saw it, but somebody said that uh, Dallas Turner's turned into the the uh, the new version of uh, Vontez Perfect, if y'all remember him playing with Cincinnati and all the, you know, bad hits that he did and like ruined uh antonio brown's life made him crazy yeah i you know as someone who has had way too many concussions i feel for Jaden daniels i yeah like first it sucks for him personally but second 
they're going to be without him at least next week, probably the week after that. Hmm. And it sucks. Yeah. For a team that, you know, granted they were losing that game, that play didn't have an effect on the outcome of the game. Hmm. Like if they lose another one down the stretch, they're not, they're not making a new year six bowl. No, and that's for a team that is doing what LSU is doing. And by that, I mean, trying to get transfers in to help shore up that defense just in general and trying to get recruits in. being able to play and win a new year's six bowl is huge. And if Nussmeyer can't step up, which based on the performance, the few times he's been called on this season, I kind of doubt he will. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not playing a new year's six bowl. I mean, they have three losses right now, but they could they very well if, again if uh, they have to bust on us and he has to play out play another game or start for a Jaden, which at this point you kind of assume he's going to. Uh, you can't be too confident down there in Baton Rouge. No, and it it really pisses me off that like I I talked about it over the offseason. One of my hottest takes about college football is targeting has saved the game. The rule of targeting. Mm-hmm. It's not perfect. It definitely needs changes. Right. But right. the implementation of trying to protect players' brains, not just for next week, but down the road, because obviously we have seen a number of players that have CTE have life-altering consequences down the road. And that play hit multiple points in the definition of targeting. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't called. Like, one of the few times I'll agree with Ryan Day here, the spirit of the rule is to protect players. Yeah. That's as far as that agreement goes. <laughs> yeah. But mm-hmm. a clear definition of targeting wasn't called. They didn't even review it like is done on all the questionable targeting calls. Mm-hmm. And this guy's like, there's there's no telling when Jamie Daniels is coming back. He was the Heisman frontrunner yesterday. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't care what Vegas says. I I really don't. J.J. McCarthy has had half the season that Jaden Daniels has. Exactly. I'm, I'm with you there. I, like, injured this dude for next week. Possible lifelong injuries. Took away a potential Heisman campaign. And possibly took away a New Year's Six game. Hmm. They and on uh, on game day, one of the things I actually saw on it, they did a side by side of Joe Burrow's first eight, I think his first eight games in 2019, and then Jaden Daniels, you know, first, you know, first eight or nine games this uh, this season. Jaden Daniels had Joe Burrow beat out on a little bit of it. Granted, not the same level of competition that Burrow had faced, but it it's right on par with that. Yeah, and that sucks that we're not going to be able to see that. Uh, at least I would say at least two. Weeks. Yeah. Oh, for sure, for but- sure. I think Jaden Daniels is going, he's going to have to do a lot of recovery to come back for the A&M game. And even at that point, if you're not playing for anything, like, are you, are you going to risk it? Like, I, I don't know what his, his draft outlook is necessarily. He, yeah. the way that guy plays, he doesn't give a shit about mm-hmm. his draft stock. He is there to play for Louisiana State University. Mm-hmm. They took a flyer on him. I don't blame him. I mean, yeah. it's. I mean, you love to see it, but damn, it just it just sucks. It sucks that uh, that he has to go through this. And the fact that Dallas Turner has now gotten away with two 
ridiculous, malicious plays on top-tier quarterbacks over the last two years with nothing but 15 yards. That, like, it's gross. That, it's, yeah. it's terrible. Mm-hmm. Like, the SEC should step in and be like, you know what? We missed that. We missed it. It's on us. Mm-hmm. But Dallas Turner cannot play the first half next week. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, it's sickening that you can have a history of, and to be fair, in, in a play like that, I don't think Dallas Turner was trying to injure Jaden Daniels. I'm not saying that. No. But no. when you have a history of not giving a shit about the rules and hurting the fuck out of people, a lesson needs to be taught. And if the coaching staff's not going to do it, because at this point, does Alabama's coaching staff care about anything except winning football games? They let Jermaine Burton hit a couple people last year, and now you've got you've got an outside linebacker that's injuring people. The SEC needs to step in. Yeah, yeah, not not getting an argument out of me. It it's gotten it's gotten ridiculous at this point. And I did not intend to go on a tangent that long, but that's the kind of stuff that like. Anybody that is trying to say, hey, don't play football, this is what happens, that's going to be in the highlight reel. Oh, yeah. this yeah. is why you shouldn't play football. Mm-hmm. As uh, it probably should be. I mean, that's – it's. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, Dallas Turner's biggest hits, why someone mm-hmm. should not play football. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's him, Vontez Murphy. Dallas Turner. No, not at all. It would definitely – his stuff would definitely be on the old, like – the old '90s clips that they would do, like oh, early yeah. in the morning, he, showing the biggest hits. Yeah, yeah, he would be in a um, 1992 Monday Night Football like promo. Yeah, like a montage. Yeah, yeah. Of just um, him just assaulting people. Yeah. But like I said, that hit had nothing to do with the outcome of the game because Alabama was just having their way with LSU. I mean, what Jalen Milrow finished with four rushing touchdowns. Yeah, it's nice to have a uh, running back playing quarterback, I guess, for them. Yeah. Um, and this kind of ended up the way the way that I thought it would. I thought LSU's de- offense would be able to keep up for a good part of the game, but their defense just wouldn't have enough to beat Alabama. I will say mm-hmm. as far as the front seven of LSU goes, I did not – I don't know why I didn't realize that Makai Wingo was not going to be playing in this game, and that dude is a force on the defense. So probably should have yeah. taken that into consideration, but I still did take Bama to cover, so it's not, you know, I'm not hurt by it. Um, yeah. <laughs> but this was a just a brutal game for LSU in a season that looked like it still had some promise. I mean, that there's levels. Yeah. Um, and then obviously there was a lackluster nuss that was bust um, last night. Fifty percent completion for fifty three yards. Just it's bad. I mean, yeah, like you bad. said, he's been bad every every time that he's ha- had to come and spell Jaden. It's just been bad. Outs- unless he's playing Georgia in the SEC championship, like he's done nothing <laughs> to give you any confidence. Um, he it was a real weak nuss that he bust last night. It was a pre nuss. Oh, oh, no, that's what we would call his performance in the SEC championship. Yeah. <laughs> It's still it's still potent, but it, yeah, okay. It was a premature nuss. 
I mean, I we all do it. Oh, all right. We're just gonna keep. We're just gonna keep going. Um, but yeah, so this was easily Jalen Miller's best game of his career: two hundred yards passing, a hundred on the ground, four rushing touchdowns. Um, and it's pretty much guaranteed at this point that uh, it's a Georgia Bama SEC championship game. And you know, this is something that we've kind of talked about. We would rather play Bama than than LSU in an SEC championship game, but do you still feel that way after watching both of the games on Saturday? So seeing Brady Cook be able to run, at least early in the game, the way that he was able to, to you know, kind of catch Georgia's defense off guard a little bit, uh, definitely makes me a little bit more nervous for Milrow because he doesn't have a whole lot of, like, design quarterback runs. I think he did some more in this game. But, like, in general, I mean, he was just, you know, the offensive line is trash for Alabama. We've discussed that at nauseum. But, you know, he'll take off and run once he uh, feels pressure or whatever. But he does make me a little bit nervous, not necessarily throwing the ball. Again, he'll, you know, he can do the, you know, strikeouts and home runs and stuff like that. But I'm a little bit more nervous about it now, seeing how, you know, some teams have been able to run on Georgia's uh, or quarterbacks been able to run on Georgia a little bit. But I'm, I'm still I'm still good. Devil's advocate. Oh, Jalen Milrow's best game was against an LSU defense that's 120-something mm-hmm. in the country. Yeah. Meanwhile, if Jalen Milrow gets through that first level of defense, which is possible, mm-hmm. he has um, he has a few guys, Tyke Smith, Javon Bullard, Kamari Lasseter, and Malachi Starks coming for his head. My, my only worry is that he's freaking huge. I mean, like, I'm... I shouldn't say it's a worry, but he can do some damage out there too. But it, I'm again, I'm not as worried about him as I w- I would have been with Jaden Daniels. But it's just it's something to note that he's not necessarily the slouch that um kind of everybody was like dogging him you know earlier this season. Like he's not I mean he's not great at passing the ball by any means. He's still not, but I mean he can still do damage. So that's that that should cause a little bit of worry. Yeah. Um... No, I don't. I don't necessarily disagree with you. I do, like I said, I. It's more of a factor of I have a lot of confidence in Georgia's defense versus LSU's defense. And I, if you want yeah. to, um, if you want to get a statistical comparison, um, he didn't have a great day against Texas's defense, and mm-hmm. Texas is barely in the top twenty in total defense, and Georgia's top ten. Okay, that makes me feel better. Okay, all right, all right. I like that. Okay, not on the clip. I'm not a. I'm not hanging off the cliff anymore. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, this next game. <laughs> oh, uh, Washington Ooh. at USC. Washington was three point favorites. They covered that. Um, but the first note here is LOL at USC. For real. Because. So, obviously, Washington is by far the best team they've played this season. Um, and Washington ran right through them. And I mean, literally. literally. Washington yeah. had 316 rushing yards. And former Mississippi State Bulldog Dylan Johnson had 256 of those rushing yards. Dang. Um, what's interesting is he had more rushing yards yesterday than he had last season. 
I was going to say, I'm like a, Missis- a former Mississippi State running back in that air raid system, 256 yards <laughs> rushing out of this new team. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's 52-42. So it's not like Washington has a good defense. They're mm-hmm. still twice as good as USC's. Yeah. <laughs> um, they just fired their defensive coordinator today. USC. Or maybe it was yeah. Yeah, USC did, yeah. You know, there's one play. So I was I was double screening last night. The Bama game was on TV, and I was watching Washington game on the phone. Mm. Um, there was one point where Dylan Johnson had like a 70-yard run that the camera panned to USC's defensive coordinator, Alex Grinch. And you just saw him like squatted down with his elbows on his knees, covering his face <laughs> and Lincoln Riley standing next to him, looking like he was about to pull out a fucking pistol and dome him right there. I mean, that's what he did today. I just took and, him all back. You know, honestly, Lincoln Riley is better than, um, the Ferent senior. Yeah. Yeah. Because he at least fires his coach after five years of constant, dog trash why was it why was today or well why was saturday the straw that broke the camel's back not like the last like four games i would have not thought you would have fired them after to an stanford Arizona state team that put up uh single digits on oregon or like cal you gave up 49 to cal last or week 40 to stan no 40 to stanford no that's what men no nope, it was no. it was given up 52 to the best team you're gonna play this year yeah, the Heisman front runner. That was the straw. Yeah, I've seen enough. Like, if there's a team you're gonna give up fit forty plus to, you're like, okay, Washington. We're okay with yeah. that. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't get. It. Yeah, I don't get it. But Lincoln Riley making sense on defense is not his forte. I think he, at shit at, at this point, I think he's lost more games at USC than he has like during his whole time at Oklahoma. He has. In a year and a half, a little bit more than a year and a half. Crazy, oh, especially crazy, if we're counting crazy. if we're counting postseason last year too. Absolutely. Yeah. He lost three last Utah year, twice. and he's already yeah, lost Utah three this year. Yeah. Damn. Um. And that gets you a hundred million dollar contract at USC oh. and a house. Yeah. The house yeah. wasn't part of the compensation. Hmm. Um. Yeah. Private schools can do that. It's so nice to fail upward. Shout out Lincoln Riley. You know, I just wish one day I fail as good as him. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of fails, ESPN is, oh, yeah. is shitty for what they did to Caleb Williams. I, You know, after the game, he climbs up into the stands and hugs his mom, very obviously crying. And they kept the camera on him. For an extended period of time. And then SportsCenter posted it. And everybody's sharing it on social media. As much Mm -hmm. as I do not like Kay Williams. I don't. It's very clear since last season. As much as I think that he made this. He made a series of decisions to make this bed. And now he's laying in it. I am not going to put on our social media. Or even praise ESPN for doing it. Because that was very obviously a sincere moment with his mom 
after he got swindled into playing for a coach that doesn't believe defense is real. Yeah. Like, I, that's mm-hmm. trash. That's trash. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, you know, at this point, with how much this trash we talk about ESPN, I doubt we're ever going to get somebody that works for them on this show. And that's fine. Because I'm just yeah, that... honest. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, absolute trash. Yeah, it's a bad look. I, you know, they, I mean, they got what they wanted out of it. They got people to talk about it and, and look at the video and all, all that other stuff. But yeah, it sucks. Like, if you're going to show Lincoln Riley crying, cool. It's his fault. He's a grown man. Lincoln Riley is a grown man that put the 100 to 200 people that are under him in this situation. It's his fault. Yeah. You can show mm-hmm. him crying. You can show Alex Grinch crying because he obviously is a better offensive coordinator than he is def- defensive coordinator. Maybe that's been the problem for him the whole the whole time. Like maybe he thought he was supposed to let him score because they're a Lincoln Riley team. So we'll score points regardless. I don't know. But Caleb Williams is like 20 years old. Mm-hmm. And not only is he 20 years old, he won the Heisman for a two-loss team last year. And up until the game against Notre Dame was the Heisman front runner this season. You want to talk mm-hmm. about putting an entire team on your back? He has done it. And you're going to show him? He's the only player on the team probably worth their scholarship right now. Yeah. And you're going to put him in that position? That's terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not a good look by any no. means. But on the Washington side of things. It was a great game for their offense. Terrible game for their defense. It's kind of been what the last three or four weeks have been for them. Mm. I think the Washington-Oregon title game is the one that I'm most looking forward to of championship weekend. Not not Georgia-Bama? Um, no, because I have a dog in that fight. Literally. Yes. Um <laughs> And the Washington Well, you know, the best Oregon part about Washington, Oregon, though, is that it's going to be on a Friday night. They always do that uh, Friday night Pac-12 championship. It's on a Friday. It's in a state mm-hmm. where they don't have a single team in the conference. And it's the last Pac-12 conference type championship game mm-hmm. between two playoff contenders for the first time ever in Pac-12 mm-hmm. history. I'm here for it. I love it. Yeah, it's going to be good. They just they just need to hold up their end of the bargain, which they both should. But yes, just make make it happen, Pac twelve. Don't don't cannibalize yourselves. Don't rig your don't don't rig it for your own self or don't rig USC, it. Please don't. USC goes to Eugene this week. Hmm. I'm still I'm still confident in Oregon. Oregon plays. They play a little bit of defense. They do. Um. So it is the Pac twelve after dark game. USC going to Oregon. And then you have um, at three thirty on Fox, Utah goes to Washington. Ooh, yeah. Ooh. So oh. if the Pac twelve is going to force themselves out of playoff contention, it is this Saturday. Yeah, for sure. Damn. Ooh. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's going to be tough. Um, <laughs> something that's not going to be tough for me this week is owning up to my picks. Finally had, finally had another good week. Um, so I took Georgia to cover Missouri. I got myself hyped up. I um, not a good look there. But 
I got Alabama minus three, Oklahoma State plus six. You marked you marked it down here wrong, but I did take Notre Dame to beat Clemson. That's that's a L. Um, oh, oh, okay. So then five and five and three. My bad. Five, five and three this week. Um, and then Washington USC over seventy six. It ended up going to seventy nine and a half, and I still <laughs> took it. Damn. And they hit ninety four, so I was safe. Period. Um, period. Auburn Vandy under forty nine and a half. That's the degenerate play of the week. Kentucky minus three and a half. It went up to four and a half. They still covered that. Um, and over the last two weeks, I've learned a very valuable lesson. Rice might lose. They're going to cover. Never, never doubt a team that has food in their name. Um, never doubt JT Daniels uh, in a losing but covering effort. You know, good teams win, great teams cover. Mm-hmm. So. Very true. Uh, All right, so, so this week, okay. five and three. Still in the black for the season, and uh, my actual money bets this week were five, two, and one. So okay. In the black there? Yes. Um, all right, so for me, not a great uh, week. Kind of water water finds its level, came down a little bit. I took uh, took Georgia to cover that 15 and a half. Obviously, that didn't work out one by nine. I took LSU plus three. That didn't, Of course, that did not work out. Alabama kicked the hell out of them. Took Oklahoma, and if I wasn't like dog ass sick, I probably would have took Oklahoma State if I was thinking clearly. But whatever, still took it and own up to it. So uh, Oklahoma State obviously won that game. Um, and of course, you guys did a great uh, impression of my my bandwagon pick, me taking TCU, and of course Texas Tech wins that game straight up. So and covers, but uh, I took TCU in that that failed. But did did have a couple of dubs coming up here. FSU at Pitt, the one I felt the best about. Pitt was a twenty. I uh, took uh, Pitt had twenty one and a half points. Interesting. There, hmm? Pitt ended up or Florida State ended up being twenty three and a half point favorites by the time the game started on Saturday. Ooh, and they ended up winning by what? Uh, 17, 18, 17, something like that. Seventeen. Oh, okay. I I sold that and put money on it. There we go. Yeah, but eat shit pit ended up coming through as an underdog. Didn't win, but again, they cover. Uh, Arizona took them plus three. They won straight up. And then uh, Purdue the at Michigan. Straight underdog ranked victory. Mm-hmm. Shout out they Scrappy are, Dudes. They are on fire. Oh, I don't know what they are in the. It will be interesting to see if they're going to be in the, the college football playoff poll, but I think, what are they in ours? Like They're in, 23rd in ours, 23 in the AP poll, and 23 in the coaches poll. I think I had them in mind. I think I had them at like I think 16, 17, 18, something like that, somewhere in the teens. They're on fire. Um, then uh, Purdue at Michigan. I took Michigan. They're a 33-point favorite. They, they won, but they did not cover. And then Kansas State, plus 2.5 at Iowa State. Kansas won straight up, so... My uh, week 10 record, 3-5 and five overall, 53-48-1. So still in the black. Got a few more weeks to keep it that way. So after starting the season, after the USC game, they had a losing record. Arizona is now ahead of UCLA, Stanford, Colorado, Washington State, Cal, and Arizona State in the Pac-12 standings. Ooh. 
And <laughs> if absolute chaos happens, they're not mathematically eliminated from going to the title game. And it is. It's about to be the second week in November when they play two, and they're still not eliminated. Good for them. Yeah, exactly. They turn it around. Let's go, you know, somebody get in touch with somebody at um, at Arizona, and let's get this scrappy do wrap the bus in a mystery machine uh, wrap. Like, let's let's get this going. If it's Is it too early to make them on bandwagon team next year? Well, if they make the title game, we can't. Oh, that's fair. Good point. I don't think it'll happen, Mm. but it's possible. And uh, and you got the nothing finer moment of the week this week, so go ahead. It and it's really this is I mean this is stupid. I'm gonna just admit it right right now. Um, I just thought it was funny, probably because where I was at mentally at this point. But uh, during the Maryland game, uh, some of the students, you know how everyone you know paints their chest and whatnot. Some of the students had the letters for Terps. Uh, painted on their uh, on their chest, stomachs, all that. When the camera actually panned to them, instead of terps, it said strep, and I thought that shit was hilarious. Kind of reminded me of the uh, the time that like that Tennessee had did something similar to that, and it was just a bunch of gibberish. And it and just the picture gets floated out there every once in a while about just tell, Tennessee not being able to spell. But I just thought it was funny to strep as their thing. Again, being as dog ass sick as I've been the last few days, I thought it was funny. It is funny because their offense was also sick on mm-hmm. uh, on Saturday. So was Talia. their defense. Yeah. Talia, somebody had said, I think it was the Cover 3 podcast, said Maryland is like the ultimate like average team. Like They're going to beat everybody that they're supposed to beat for the most part. And then they'll lose to everybody that has like a pulse. Like they are, they're very, they're like a litmus test for everybody. Yeah, I and um, I learned in 2019 not to put not to put money on them when they look good against the uh, first few teams they play. Mm-hmm. They have to do that because, well, obviously they're not going to have the divisions like they are this year going forward. But when you play Michigan, Ohio State, and, and Penn State every year, it's you you got to get the win somewhere if you're going to go to a bowl game. Yeah, that's that's rough. Um, so, to close it out here, as we always do, follow all of our social media, Instagram, nothing.finder.pod, Twitter, at FinderPod, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search us there. If you rate and review the show five stars, send us a screenshot. We will send you a sticker. Um, you know, just a PSA. If anybody's going to be at the Charles Wesley Godwin concert in Athens this weekend, hit me up. We'll, we'll meet up there. Or the George Wake Forest basketball game on Friday or the Georgia Ole Miss football game on Saturday, let me know. I'm doing an Athens trifecta this weekend. Um, there you go. Oh, so- wait, wait, real quick. Shout out. So Georgia kicks off their season on Monday on True TV against Oregon out there in Vegas. So make sure you're watching that because I – usually it's around March where you try to figure out what channel uh, uh, True TV is on, but it's going to be on there. So big game. Um you know, we definitely buried the lead. But shout out to the uh, UGA women's soccer team for winning their first conference championship this weekend. Everything's uh, cool. Everything's cool. And we got a chance to prove it this weekend playing Oregon and Wake Forest in basketball. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, if you're uh, if you're going to be at any of those things, hit me up and uh, and we'll hang out. But my wallet and liver will not be happy with me come Sunday. <laughs> 
And as always, guys, remember there is nothing finer in the land than a drunk, obnoxious Georgia fan.